0: Today, there are 2 million descendants of French-Canadian immigrants living in New England. These are our stories. Welcome to the French-Canadian Legacy Podcast. This is the French-Canadian Legacy Podcast. I am Jesse Martineau. On the podcast, we have spoken quite a bit about the amazing things being done by the Franco-American programs at the University of Maine. Whether it be the various events that they host that we were very fortunate to be part of, uh, Le Forum, Resonance, Rassemblement, there's a whole bunch of stuff they're doing. And we are very lucky to have a guest who is a major reason for some of these programs. Lisa Desjardins Michaud is the coordinator for community engagement for Franco American programs at the University of Maine. And I very much look forward to talking about this amazing organization. Lisa, welcome to the French Canadian Legacy podcast.
1: Hi, Jesse. Thank you for having me.
0: Now, how did I do on the pronunciation? Am I anywhere close? You are. You are. Desjardins. Desjardins. And how about Michaud? Michaud. Michaud. All right. Okay. So I got one out of two. Not bad. (laughs) <laughs> all right very good. Cool. so says where are you from i'm originally
1: from northern maine uh, a small town right on the border of uh, new brunswick in the united states uh it's called van Buren. Uh, i was born and raised there i lived there up until uh, in my 30s uh, i'm gonna date myself here <laughs> good. Uh, yeah yeah lived up there up until in my my 30s and um being on the border of the United States and Canada, um, the French language was prominent. Sure. Um, everyone spoke French. We were all French, or a good gotcha. portion anyway.
0: Now, um, like even the going to the grocery store, or going to the banks, everything in bilingual. French.
1: I, I, went, I want to say bilingual, gotcha. uh, but it was mostly French, peppered with some English.
0: That's awesome. Is it still that way today?
1: It is. It is. Now it's English with peppered with words of French here and there. (laughs) So so it it has switched through the years, but less and less French.
0: Gotcha. But if we went up there, we'd still be able to hang in French with a a number of organizations. Oh, that's very fun. Now, something I've heard actually, never mind if you're something, um, is some of these border towns are almost like one community that just happens to be on both sides of the border where like everybody, almost, you know, they don't treat the border like I would view a border being like a hard barrier that you very rarely ever cross. It's almost like this community spans both sides. Is that the case at all, up where you are from Maine?
1: When I was a child, yes. The border was very fluid. I mean, we, we went over all the time and vice versa. Uh, but as I grew up, it got a little stricter and even, the you know, more so uh, with 9-11.
0: Sure yeah yeah that's true that changed a whole lot of things Absolutely.
1: it did change a whole lot
0: all right now were there a bunch of like organiz- franco organizations in the community where you growing up
1: everyone was french so all the organizations <laughs> were french gotcha yeah
0: so we're like, so We, we here like the saint Jean baptists in some towns or other i guess social clubs
1: yeah and, and yeah uh the church was a the center point the church was a center point for sure and whatever stemmed from there like the Daughters of Isabella and all the (laughs) organizations within so that was all French
0: big fan Daughters of Isabella that's where I get my pork pie from every year here in Manchester my grandmother (laughs) my mom's mom was a member of the Daughters of Isabella and every year come holidays time she and the rest of the daughters, it'd be, it'd be busy for, for weeks to try to get these pies together. But no, that's awesome. Very, very cool. Um, now your background is, uh, we think of Northern Maine. Um, at least I do anyway, once, since I started this podcast, I didn't before the podcast, honestly, I think about Acadians prior to starting this project. When I thought French, Franco-American, I just assumed everybody was from Quebec and I've learned that's very much not true. So, Kind what is the makeup of the town? How about yourself? Your even your background?
1: We associate ourselves with being Acadian, okay. but when in fact we're both we're both Quebec Quebecois or Quebecois and Fair. Acadian. Most of us uh, to find a full fledged Acadian is very 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 rare.
0: <sighs> gotcha. Uh,
1: so, yeah. So my maternal uh, grandparents were um, Cibedou. In Berbe. So Berbe is Quebecois and Thibodeau is Acadian. And my paternal per, uh, grandparents were Soucy and Desjardins. So Soucy is Acadian and Desjardins is Quebecois. So oh, it's, a, yeah, yeah, a it's a- Yeah. It's
0: a mix. No, that's interesting because uh, that, that name, you, that Thibodeau name, I didn't realize was an Acadian name until we had Robert Sylvain on the show and he mentions that Cibodeau and his family. And me, that was, that was eye opener. I get to honestly, I get the last eight names of my family tree tattooed in my left arm and Thibodeau was one of them. And I always oh, just, assumed, really? I always just yeah. assumed it was from Quebec. So no, that's yeah. very, very neat.
1: Chances are it's uh, all from Pierre. Pierre Thibodeau.
0: Awesome, I'll have to look. He's yeah. our ancestor, yeah. Very cool. Now, are the traditions, foods, language, difference between the two sides? The Acadians versus the Quebecois?
1: Some of the foods are different, yes. I think the Acadians eat the ploys, and the Quebecois eat the les crap.
0: Nice. Okay. So we, there we, are, there we, are what,
1: variations.
0: Sure. what is the difference between those, for those who haven't had the opportunity to partake in both of them?
1: Yeah, the the ploy is made out of buckwheat flour. It's your buckwheat and regular flour and other soda sure. and whatever other ingredients. And the other the um, the crap is just a flour and water.
0: That's cool. Uh, I mean, even though it's a Mexican town, that the separate tradition still still can't be found in the in the city. I think that's really neat. Now, how did you end up then at the University of Maine?
1: I graduated. Uh, from college with a business degree, and I was a little little later in life. Uh, I had a daughter, Um, so I was looking for work, and really, there wasn't really anything up there, so I decided that I was going to move down to the area here uh, around Orono, and that was back in 1994. I started at the university in 1996. Uh, applied for a position uh, in the pool there. So I was working temporary jobs uh, throughout sure. the campus. And then eventually uh, someone told me about the Franco-American Center. Now the term Franco-American, I was not familiar with other than oh, okay. the campus SpaghettiOs, right?
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, I did not associate myself uh, with the word. What did you,
0: co- how did, what, what would you have, Describe yourself when you were growing up. Then Acadian, Acadian. Acadian. No, that's if you're fun. Your
1: family. You're going to describe yourself and relate to the term Acadian.
0: Gotcha. Even if
1: you are both. Really, you, that's that's cool. Yeah. So I had to do a little research about Franco-American <laughs> sure. Franco-American Center. So I applied and I got the position, and uh, here I am, 25 <laughs> years later.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I was. My family, my dad says the same thing. Like, uh, Franco American was like a pasta. That's what he. That's how he knew Franco American.
1: Yeah, they always called.
0: They always knew they're French Canadian. That's how they. Right. That's the term that
1: we use. French Canadian. Franco American was not a a term that we used.
0: (laughs) But, But now you find yourself at a major university working in Franco American programs in a great place. So let's talk about some of these. And I want to start with La Forum. Is La Forum something that's on the radar, I'm sure, of the vast majority of listeners to this program, (laughs) if they haven't read it themselves, they're at least familiar. But for those who might not be, maybe you can tell us, what is La Forum? Where did it start?
1: La Forum is a French bilingual sociocultural periodical published by the Center, which I head. Um, I seek out voices so that they may be heard uh, via newsprint. The paper itself started out uh, back in 1972 by a group of students that were at the university. They wanted to create awareness of the Franco fact within the state of Maine. So they started off as a small group. Years later, a few years later, they received funding from the university. So they started an office. And uh, Yvonne Labbé was uh, the director then. That's awesome. Yeah. So the paper started off as La Fanale, and okay. then it transitioned to La Frog Forum, and then it transitioned <laughs> to La Forum, uh, which is which it is today. So the paper has been around since
0: 1972. That's the La Frog Forum. I like that. Yes. <laughs> That's a good approach, <laughs> that they were able to take that as the day. Now, is this in English? French, both, how does this work?
1: It's bilingual. When I first started, there was way, uh, there was a lot more French in it. Uh, but nowadays I'm having a harder and harder time finding people that do write in French. So, which, which goes according to the times uh, sure. you know, where we're at. Uh, the language is not as prominent as it used to be. Uh, and written French is uh, very rare to find.
0: Gotcha. But if somebody is interested in, first of all, reading the forum, where can we send them to make sure that they have access to this?
1: They can contact me via email or call the office. Uh, There is a website that uh, where I post all the latest issues and back issues uh, for anyone that wants to uh, take a look.
0: Awesome. Yeah. We'll make sure to link that with this episode for sure. Where do you find the people to contribute to this? Are you on the phones making calls?
1: I am constantly. Uh, I have to put word out all the time, you know, because I put out four issues as a quarterly and it's 52 pages. So it's it's a lot of material. Significant. um, Yeah. Right. For anyone that's put newspapers and, you know, together, uh, really know that uh, there's a lot of work behind the scenes.
0: Yeah. I have to tell you, Mike and I, very excited the first time we... Appeared in the forum. That was way, way fun for us. That was really cool. Um, and so, if somebody does want to contribute, how do they get in touch? I mean, same deal. Just reach out to yeah. you via email, and
1: they just need to contact me.
0: Yep. Very cool. Very cool. Now, how about resonance, because I you know resonance is something uh, fairly newer. Uh, so, we, again, we had talked a lot about on this program before. Uh, but for those who have not been familiar, what what exactly is resonance?
1: The Resonance is a literary journal for Franco-American writers and for writings about Franco-Americans. It's peer-reviewed, which means that not everything is accepted. There is an editorial board who reviews all the entries, either rejects or accepts the entries. It's also a place to explore uh, related writings. It's a place that you can find uh, writings in French and English as well.
0: So this is more like a... More of an academic field than Correct. than the forum does. Correct. Okay, yeah. and we're and, go ahead, sorry.
1: Yeah, La Form is people that want to write about their their sure. childhood or whatever they want to share. It's accepted.
0: And this is very much an academic journal.
1: This is an academic journal. Yes.
0: Very good. now, and where did the idea come from to put an academic journal together, and how long has this been around?
1: I first heard uh, Greg Chabot and Yvonne Abbe and Tony Brinkley talk about it years ago. Uh, there was brief talk then, but it never uh, became, uh, it never came to be. After Susan became the, uh, the director of the center, uh, things started rolling in that direction. And she asked Stephen Reel to uh, become the general editor for the first publication and uh, it took off.
0: No, that's all. A couple of people we've had on the program. Susan Susan Panett was one of the very very first people I reached out to when I started even thinking about having a podcast. I remember the, the first person I talked to was Robert Perrault. And got it, and he sent me a list of like we had like three names of people that I needed to talk to before I got started. She was right at the very top of his list, and. She has been awesome to us here at the program, so she's very, she very cool. She has done
1: a fantastic job as director of Franco-American programs. Uh, without her force, and I mean, we make a great team together, all of us. Jacob, uh, Albert, as well.
0: Oh, that's yeah. I mean, yeah. Obviously, you guys—the stuff that you guys produce up there—I like said—is amazing. The rest of the rest of New England kind of looks at you guys as like of like our goal to aspire to, which you guys are able to pull off month but after we do month. This,
1: yeah, we do this with a lot of community support uh, with uh, our students. So yes, we are the faces of the center, but we're not all the center. The, sure. center, the center is a, broader than that.
0: It's cool though, because I mean, with students, you're constantly getting a, you know, an influx of new energy new people to contribute and some of whom I've had the pleasure of being able to stay in touch with some of your students that I've met through through your center that I still talk to now even though they may have graduated from the center so no it's just a really cool place I did want to talk about a web page which is way fun Franco Americans of Maine then and now you tell us what that project is
1: yeah, that's our bicentennial uh, project. Uh, Maine is celebrating or has celebrated, but yeah. because of COVID, we're a little sure. bit late. Uh, <laughs> this is the 201 uh, anniversary, but we're working on a website with the web uh, designer. Uh, it's called uh, Franco Americans of Maine: Then and Now. Susan, our director, again <laughs> applied for a grant through the Maine Bicentennial Commission, which was awarded. So we've been working with a web developer to have uh, this website, which will help people celebrate Franco's where they were back 200 years ago and where they are today. 200 years ago, chances are they were not in the state of Maine yet. So that's, you know, we're going to portray where they were 200 years ago and where they are today.
0: Yeah, it's super, it's like a narrative. It tells... It tells, it tells a story.
1: Yes. Yeah, there crazy. are traditions that we talk about. There are, uh, right now we're working on one uh, regarding the logging industry. Uh, the woods uh, had played a huge role of and still does.
0: No, it's a really, really neat project. I like it. Now, who, now whose idea was it to be like, you know what? We need to put together this really cool, really awesome looking website.
1: Well, people were asking, right? They were asking yeah. us, are you doing anything? Are you going to be participating? Sure. So, Jacob, Jacob Albert, uh, co worker, uh, he thought of the idea of having some, something to depict the people where they were 200 years ago and sure. they are not a map of some sort, yeah. right? right. So, and then Susan was on board with that and I became interested in that as well. Yeah. So we worked together and then Susan applied for the uh, grant that I was telling you about. Sure. And we received it and we had funds. So we hired a web, web uh, developer.
0: It, if you take a look at this page think it will link it, it's very clearly a professionally done page. It, it, is, it is outstanding. Yeah,
1: they've done an excellent job. Yes.
0: No, it's very, very cool. Now, one more thing I do want to talk about. The Franco-American Oral History Archives. Maybe you can tell us, what what are these archives?
1: The Oral History Archives. I happened to be uh, at a meeting in northern Maine uh, where I heard a Dr. Mark Chassie talk about numerous uh, oral histories interviews that he had uh on vhs tape he had over 200 of them and this is about the time when everyone was saying you know we need to digitize the materials sure so i mentioned to him you know i think that you should have your collection digitized because all he had was that vhs tape um i said it's deteriorating every day so we need to do something about it so i managed to i was able to talk him into it Uh, He gave, he was reluctant at first, but he gave me a few tapes and he's there here, digitize these. So I came back to uh, the university, uh, digitized those for him, presented him with a DVD with the pictures of the people that were on the interview on, as a label. That's awesome.
0: That's very cool.
1: Yeah. So he was very pleased with that. Then I had the idea of, Well, if you take these voices and you digitize them and sure you have them on a CD, but what next, you know, that you take that and you put it on a shelf. So once again, once again, those voices are silenced. So in order to make them available and let people have access and to hear them, I thought let's put them up on a website. So that's exactly what we did. We put, we got permissions and then we put them up. That is very uh, so cool. this is where this oral history site comes from
0: now. And how many total? Do you well, have?
1: he, yeah, we have, I have in my files well over 200, not all wow. of them are out there, but there's a, over a hundred, at least we were able to get smaller collections from different areas. Like Lewiston gave us some, uh, we have some from Louisiana. we got some from there. Um, the website itself needs still needs work because we want to make them so that they're searchable and people sure. can find stuff without having to sit there and listen to a two-hour interview.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. And are most of them in French?
1: Uh, most of them are in French, yes. French, uh, peppered, again, these are from the Valley, so they're <laughs> French and English. I, I call it flip-flopping, you know, going from one language to, a, to the other. Sure, They do it all the time, back and forth, in the same <laughs> sentence, they do it
0: as well. It was definitely around people who do that during the holidays when I was growing up. It used to, it used to impress me. I, can't, I can barely speak in one language. We get flipping back and forth. No, that's, that's cool. Now, are you still accepting new history? Yes, if if taking it
1: all the time. If we can expand that website, we
0: will. Gotcha. So if yeah. I were to like, interview my folks, I could yeah. send you a recording? Correct. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. a terrific resource for people going forward, especially with what you say, once it's searchable, that's going to make life so much easier for researchers.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: No, very awesome. Now, what about the, I mean, I guess related to that, especially the research portion, uh, the Franco-American Portal Project. We spoke briefly about this on the show. I mean, maybe you just tell us what that portal project is, because talk about making life easier for researchers.
1: Franco-American portal project is a five university collaboration to build an online portal to Franco-American archival collections. Uh, The project addresses the need for online access to Franco-American cultural history by locating and identifying archival materials that concern French Canadian, Quebecois, Quebecois, and Acadian dysphoria communities in the U.S. Northeast, wherever these materials have been collected around the world. Bringing together information about these collections and their contents in an organized, searchable, and culturally conscientious way. And making accessible these collections and their contents by directing the public toward their digital presence and institutions that collect and preserve them. I read that because I have very little, um, I haven't worked with, with the project. Sure. So I read it in order to not forget anything because it's <laughs> such it's such an important uh, project uh, that I would hate to miss
0: anything. Just the idea of there being one central hub where you can research and find sources from all over the the world essentially that deal with Franco-American, Acadian, Québécois, French-Canadian, whatever topics and that again, just from this one place and that, that place can then direct you to where you can find the specific research you might be looking for. I can't, I mean, I have to talk to some of my historian friends and you know, ask Patrick Lacroix, but that sounds like that makes life a million times easier from their perspective. Exactly.
1: So right now, as it stands, there are collections here, there and everywhere. And no one knows where, well, not not everyone knows where to look. Sure. Uh, Some of these are hidden, you know, so this is an excellent project to um, corral all that and to make it accessible.
0: That's, yeah, so I'm going to have to, I'm going to use that when I try to get somebody to write the book I want written about the sentinel affair, because I think that that needs to happen at some point. But yeah, I mean, that kind of thing is perfect for something like that. One thing I did want to touch on, because we have to touch on, and that is, The Rassemblement. Rassemblement is, that might be the highlight of our, of this entire project so far for Mike and I. We went up, we had an absolute blast. Maybe you can explain to us what the Rassemblement is, why it exists, history of it, what you're hoping to do.
1: Yeah, the Rassemblement is is a gathering of writers and artists uh, where they can share their work, just the camaraderie of uh, being able to share what you're working on, network. It's like a, it's a home for people. When we could meet together, sure. yeah, it was absolutely. really nice, right? Cause you had the food, you had the energy. Uh, you saw one another, you talked, you know, spoke with one another afterwards during, and people would present their works, what they're working on with, we had music, we had artists, just a good collaboration of, of yeah. different people yeah. coming together
0: to share theater, theater. yeah oh, yes yeah. All poetry historians yeah. yeah all company and like you said the, the camaraderie piece was is is awesome i can't i mean i so, that, that word seems inadequate to me because i but even I would, I would tell people a lot the breakfast at the hotel is even amazing because at least the time mike and i went everybody stayed they all stayed at the same place at the same hotel and for breakfast in the morning, literally just sitting at those tables, listening to people tell their stories and ask each other, que- even like, again, for me, it's really neat because you have people whose books you've read now asking each other questions and comparing their stories. And so to be able to connect with all of them in one place is just, is awesome. Awesome experience, can't wait to go back.
1: Yeah, you can, you can really feel the energy, right? You feel the energy and you get energized. Uh, because everyone is excited to see one another, first of all, and to share, you know, what they're working on.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, people, they'll, they'll talk about, give me guests we got on the show, talk about, they wait, it's like the highlight of the year, they look forward to it all year, when the date is announced for the Rassemblement, because it is just a blast, just to get together, and you can see all kinds of different presentations, from really interesting people doing amazing things. Yeah, it's way, way fun. And finally, we can't go without talking about some of the programs that you guys have. Because in addition to, I don't know, you got you got your regular a standard journal, you got a, a magazine, newspaper type thing, you got a literary journal, we got an amazing web page that tells like a narrative, we got oral history archives, we got a portal project, we got a rassemblement. And in case you're bored, on top of all that, you still have programs, we also, which we is also amazing.
1: Have, yeah, we also have Zoom events. Yeah, you know, different events, uh, everything from genealogy to history to uh, around the kitchen table topics. Right. Uh, uh, but all of those are listed on our website, if you go to the Franco-American Program's website. Uh, on top of that, we have a huge uh, genealogical library. Which was donated uh, to us by a woman in Indiana. Wow! Uh, it's called the Adrian get Library. Now, this was one man's material. She and her son, uh, stepson, traveled from Indiana in a U-Haul <laughs> wow. with over I want to say 140 or to 160 boxes of books. Oh wow! Uh, a huge collection. It fills a room. This is a collection that his mother had started. She had done uh, some genealogy research, and sure. then he took it over, and he added to it. Uh, so if anyone needs to do Quebec genealogy, all the books are there.
0: <laughs> if, it, they don't have to leave the room. Is it indexed? I mean, that, must, that sounds like a, a heck of a project, just getting that organized
1: yeah we're still working on that and because uh we had a a volunteer person working on the the library and because of this covid thing it it has stopped all that but we're in the process
0: very awesome again just one more thing coming out of the franco-american programs at the university of maine truly an amazing amazing place Lisa, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. The work you guys are doing is amazing. The fact that you guys are continuing to have those Zoom events to keep your name out there, to keep the momentum going so people still hear about these stories, still know about the stuff going on. Um, the, the fact that you, know, you still have the forum that does come out, I mean, it's awesome. The work you guys are doing is so great. So thank you very much, Lisa. I appreciate you, Tom.
1: Thank you for having me. Now our
0: fathers look at us and sigh with despair To think that everything they love we simply do not share But the spirit never dies, our culture will survive Each of us must choose how much to keep alive Each of us must choose how much to keep alive